0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. And uh, the vice president of the United States involved in in a call. You've got all these commissioners. We'll talk to the commissioner of the PGA Tour. He'll join us tomorrow. Golf is starting to get maybe a little closer to inching back, having some competition there. Because there's other tournaments. We look at the majors. British Open canceled. You know, the Masters has been pushed back to November. U.S. Open has been pushed back. PGA Championships has been pushed back, not canceled, but the British Open has been canceled. But there's other golf events that are going to be happening before those majors, so we'll talk to uh, Commissioner Monaghan. He'll join us coming up tomorrow. We were talking about best uniforms. USA Today had the rankings here. Do You know, the worst uniform ranking, and I, I don't think this is fair, but I think we look at the franchise, therefore the uniform. A uniform looks better when you win. Let's face it. The creamsicle uniforms with the Buccaneers didn't look great when they came out in the 70s because they weren't very good. They had the Selman brothers, and that was about it. Steve Spurrier. Uh... Steve Young came in for a, a brief visit. Uh, Doug Williams came in. The worst uniform in the NFL. This according to USA Today. You guys want to guess. Nick uh, Levin, I'll start with you. Worst based on, uniform. Based on your T's, the Bengals, because they've been bad. Bengals? No, they're not in the uh, bottom 10 right now. Uh, here's the description. Hideous color scheme wed to a logo that rubs people the wrong way. Paulie? Washington Redskins. Yes, come on down. Wow. Yeah. Uh, The second worst uniform. Remember when the Bills were using all that piping and heavy color swatching all over the shoulders a decade ago? You would have thought that no one would ever try to replicate that look. Alas, the Arizona Cardinals... Second worst uniforms. This is according to Nate Davis, uh, USA Today. I, I thought this would be the team that had the worst uniforms just because of their helmets. The 30th ranked uniform in the NFL is... jaguar Yes! Mm. Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Yeah, Paul. Jacksonville's cleaned it up in the past three years. They've cleaned up the helmets, and they also went with that white-on-white, white, almost like a Penn State look with that uniform, which Leonard Fournette looks even more fearsome with. They've cleaned up Jacksonville a little bit. Is the problem with Jacksonville really just the helmet?
0: For me, it is. Well, <laughs> I, I can't get But Other than that, it's a pretty solid uniform. Well, I didn't know what that color was. Of like it, it wasn't brown, and it wasn't gold, and I, I didn't know what it was. So that kind of, that was one of those, if I went to, you know, Crayons or Sherman Williams, I'd go, what color is this? And I'm not quite sure. Uh, that bothered me. The 29th ranked uniform. They ripped Atlanta's rollout on Twitter, but a team that looks more XFL than NFL doesn't have a paw to stand on. Mm-hmm. Your Carolina Panthers. Yeah. twenty-eight is the Cleveland Browns. Wow. Okay. 27 is the Titans. I hate the, the, uh, the numerals on there. The imagery of a Roman centurion is kind of cool with the shoulder flaps and the sword sheath on the hip. But the Navy helmets were an upgrade that just too much going on here.
1: I, I disagree a little bit. I think the Titans have some nice color combos. It gets a little busy, but they have a, a SEC old school '70s SEC feel, even though SEC wasn't around in the '70s.
0: Uh, it's a terrible use of a great color in those uniforms. Okay. All right, this one's going to hurt. It's not just it's 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 just not wearing well as '1990s as friends, and the problem is amplified by how sharp their color rush uniforms are your Denver Broncos Mm -hmm. 26th worst uniform in the NFL. Sorry, Todd. That's insane. Yeah, sorry. All right. It's absolutely correct because when the Broncos do that
1: color rush and they go back to the dark blue on a Thursday night, they look fantastic.
0: All right. Here's your top five. New Orleans Saints. Now, the, the old gold that they went back to is pretty. I love the white with the gold, the old gold. I think that is as sharp as any uniform in football. Number four on the list is going to be a shocker. Shocker. I don't even. I can't even give the description they have in USA Today because it'd give it away. Uh, anybody want to guess number four on the list? Best uniforms in the NFL. no O'Connor. The Steelers? No. The Steelers got an awesome uniform. Yeah. Although they only had the logo on one side of the helmet. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, but I never understood that. Why they only did on one side. Like, like, was it budgetary reasons or something? But they only have it on one side. Like, you know, the Cowboys don't have a star on just one side. Does Green Bay doesn't have the G or the Bears don't have a C on one side? Yeah, Paulie. Are the Packers number four? I think Packers are top five easy. Packers are not in the top five. That's blasphemous. Your Seattle Seahawks are the fourth best uniform. Wow. And I'm like, which uniform? Who wrote this? Skip Bayless? The College Navy and Action Green reflect the Emerald City. And as does the logo, a callback to a mask designed by Indiana native to the Pacific Northwest. All right. Number three. Your Pittsburgh Steelers. Number two on the list. I have no problem with this. Your Los Angeles Chargers. The best uniform in all of football. Your Vegas Raiders. Yeah. yeah. According to USA Today, it doesn't get better (laughs) than the silver and black who feature an awesome color scheme, fantastic logo, overall clean look since its inception in 1964. That guy's a good writer.
1: That USA Today, I like the USA Today. <laughs> Not a lot of words. Short articles. Like them. Is that your John Gruden? Yeah, oh. I like the USA Todays.
0: Oh, oh okay. Them USA Todaysers, they know what they're talking about. Journalism. Here. Yes. <laughs> Paul in Ohio joins us. Hi, Paul. What do you have for me today?
2: Yeah, Dan. Five foot nothing. in 130.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Okay, um, uh, I've been watching the Rams since the early '60s, and I—you can't change the helmet. But no, you, no, no, I mean, no. the logo—I can deal with the logo. I mean, that's for the kids, nada, nada. Also, I have a—I have a—I want to revisit the shower of shame I turned down on Friday. I'll take the Rams to win the West. Okay. If that—if that would be cool with you guys? Yeah. Also, I—I I had a suggestion for your uh, for your T-shirts. You know, since you've got Tampa Bay, what about like sitting with our guy? What do you think?
0: Well, no, no, that, 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 no. We'll leave it to Fritzy to come up with the bad, you know, puns here.
2: Ooh, that was tough.
0: Yeah, sorry, Paul, but thank you. Yeah, no, I can't go with that one. If Cam Newton goes to New England, then I think we have something, right, Fritzy?
2: We absolutely do. We have the Thank N.E. You, from
0: Newton. Thank you, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
1: you. Are we on the air right now?
0: Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah I... Six minutes. Yeah.
2: I clicked yeah. something and it took me to Microsoft Word by accident. That's what the delay was. Stay with me here. Right? Stay with <laughs> I, me. I was, I, was try to, I was trying to click my mic button and I clicked the, the uh, icon <laughs> next to it and all of a sudden Microsoft <laughs> Word came up. But the NE from Newton would be good for the Patriots.
0: Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. All right. Uh, yesterday, we had a brief period of NFL excitement as uh, the rumor came out on Sports Talk Radio that the Browns may be contemplating trading Odell Beckham Jr., the third of the Vikings. Well, it didn't take long for NFL reporters to say, nah, I don't think that's true. Uh, but hey, Sports Talk Radio, social media, we needed something. Talking heads, it was just a rumor I'm hearing. That's where it's dangerous. You hear things, but you want to be able to report things that are accurate. And I'm not giving a tutorial here. It's just when people say, hey, I'm hearing, they think it's fact. And I checked a source and I said, are the Vikings interested in Odell Beckham? And at first, my source said, well, they got to get a number one receiver. And I go, okay, Adam Thielen's not your number one receiver. You lose Dig to the Bills. And I go, it just seems strange that the Vikings would want to bring in Odell Beckham after getting rid of Stephon Diggs. And then my source came back this morning and said, uh, they're going to look at drafting a wide receiver that they're not going to trade for Odell Beckham. Now, that doesn't mean that you know there wasn't some validity to this, but when you're hearing, that could be, hey, you guys interested in Odell Beckham? I don't know. Let me check back. And then it could be, nope, we're not. Well, you were hearing that they were talking about it, but there was no... Now, I know people attach draft picks to this, and, and look, maybe it's true, I'm just going by my source. And, and, you know, there was a second and a fifth round attached to Odell Beckham. But if I'm Minnesota, and I'm, I know Mike Zimmer, you're not going to do this. You're not bringing in Odell Beckham after just <laughs> getting rid of Stephon Diggs. Kirk Cousins needs some calmness there. All right. But it was, I'm hearing that. So, with no games to talk about, we dissect every personnel move like it's groundbreaking. You know, the Bears trade for Nick Foles. My God, that's an hour. Dak, Dak Prescott has a dinner party. We spent a whole show on that. The possibility of trades. What's going to happen? Joe Burrow, is he going to the Bengals? Is Tua going three or 23? Everything is on steroids right now. It's like it's so important. There's no basketball games to distract us right now. There's no baseball games to distract us. So it's, hey, do you think the Lions would take Tua? I don't know. I'm hearing. I still go back to the following. The second most important player on the field, in my opinion, obviously the first is quarterback. The second is your edge rusher. Every team needs to have one because – this is a pass happy league. Von Miller won a Super Bowl for the Broncos. Okay. You have to have, you know, the Chiefs needed defense to win the Super Bowl. You, you have to have an edge rusher, or it's probably wise to have an edge rusher. You know, San Francisco, because their defense, I mean, Bosa could have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. If San Francisco wins, maybe the edge rusher, a rookie, is the MVP of the Super Bowl. The importance of having that ability to put pressure on your uh, quarterback. So if Chase Young is a a once-in-a-generation player, which would be hard for him to be once-in-a-generation player if we just had Bosa, who could have been the MVP in the Super Bowl. But I haven't heard one team, one even I'm hearing, willing to go up and get Chase Young. Is he untouchable from the Redskins' perspective? Because if I'm the Redskins, I wouldn't make him untouchable. Somebody wants to give me a couple of first-round picks. We give up those first-round picks. When's the last time that we did something like this in a draft where we went up to draft a defensive player or an offensive player who's not a running back or a quarterback? It seems rare. But, you know, defense is, it, you eventually, and I know I say this, I'm a broken record, at some point in the season, you will need a defensive stop to help you win a big game. You will need that. Uh, you may not be a defensive-minded team, but you will need players who make players right. But you look at what Chris Jones of the Chiefs did in the Super Bowl. Have you have to have that? The last drive, you have to have that. So Chase Young is considered the best prospect in the draft, right? There, nobody's arguing that. Best player in the draft, he's a given. But nobody's going up to get him, which I'm shocked at. I really am. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network analyst, was on Doug Gottlieb's show yesterday, and he talked about the Redskins and Chase Young. I can't see the Redskins passing on Chase Young, can you?
2: No, I've heard all the you know, chatter about potentially wanting to get out of there and all that. I just You don't trade uh, off of an opportunity to get a premier edge rusher. You don't. It's the second most important position in the game. He's right there in your lap. Don't screw it up. I, I don't see them uh, making another decision there.
0: Okay, but why is it Joe Burrow is worth four number one picks? Or why don't you go up and get Joe Burrow? Or you trade up for Jared Goff? Or you trade up for Mitchell Trubisky? I get you're trading up for a quarterback, but you know, you're know you still waiting on, is Jared Goff a franchise quarterback? You're still waiting on Mitchell Trubisky. Chase Young comes in day one and is impactful for you too. I'm just surprised because I haven't heard one whisper. The Redskins may want to get out of there. Nobody's willing to go up there and pay the price, but I think everybody agrees. Chase Young is the best player in the draft, or at least... He's the one sure thing, whether that's true or not. And I think if you look at Ohio State players, for the most part, they live up to the hype. Alabama players don't necessarily live up to the hype. And as a source said to me yesterday, Nick puts them through hard practices. You stay there for three or four years. You have added a lot of mileage on your body there. And you see some Alabama players who aren't great when they get to the NFL. But Ohio State players, for the most part, And you start to look at, you're going to have, you could have the second and third pick, both from that Ohio State defense. So the edge rusher, and you start to think, how'd they lose? Like you've got the best cornerback, who's going to start right away probably for the Detroit Lions, and Chase Young, who starts right away for the Washington Redskins. And you had a a great quarterback, like you had a lot of things, and uh, didn't win the national championship. Yes, McLovin. And Clemson have like five of those guys too, though. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's what, as I recall. Yeah, but Chase Young is going, he's the best player in the draft. Jeff Okuda is the best defensive back who's going to go third, perhaps.
1: I was wondering, Dan, can you avoid a defensive end? Like, remember how we talked about teams avoided J.J. Watt at his peak sometime? Like, you sort of work around him a little bit.
0: Well, the only way you avoided him is when he got hurt. And what happens is, it's, this is going to sound strange. But you avoid somebody by going at them. Alan Page was one of the great defensive linemen with the Minnesota Vikings, the Purple People Eaters. His pursuit was so great that you ran at him. And I think with Chase Young, do you go at him to then somehow avoid him because he's going to be able to track you down? The same with Bosa. But with an edge rusher, you can try to go away from him. But they're, they're going to track you down. You almost have to go at the person you're trying to avoid, which sounds counterintuitive. But I don't know. Maybe I'm, Dan Orlovsky, who's stars on the rise of the mothership, will join us coming up to get his thoughts. Why is nobody talking about trading up for Chase Young? And is Tua really falling? Is it that much of a free fall here? And we talked about the, the Justin Herbert rumors, and the Justin Herbert rumors were true. Miami is interested in Justin Herbert. This isn't a smokescreen. Miami is truly interested in Justin Herbert. Yeah, Paul.
1: We always say don't believe what you hear at draft yes. time. And if the conventional rumors the past three or four days is Tua is falling in the draft, <laughs> who would be floating that and, and who would it help? I've been thinking about this. I'm not sure the answer. So who would float that rumor out there and the goal would be what? Like, would Miami float that out there so they don't have to trade up to get them? Could be. Because it, that would be uh, the type of thing you'd float to a bunch of media people and hope that it benefits me how.
0: I, but I never listen to a team official because I, I just, it, I get nervous when somebody tells me, uh, you know, what they really feel. But most people do listen. It's just, I've learned that their job is not to tell me the truth. It doesn't make any sense. You don't get extra credit for being honest with the media. We'll take a break. Dan Orlovsky will join us. By the way, Boomer Siason. Boomer likened Joe Burrow to the Bengals like LeBron to the Cavaliers. So we'll talk to Boomer coming up. And uh, the golfer Bubba Watson will stop by coming up top of the hour. We're back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Okay, so seventy and ninety-nine, and the first person to guess it wins a prize. They get TP show, (laughs) TP show T-shirts. So we'll have that for you. Seventy and ninety-nine. Yeah. Okay. Any hints there?
2: Uh, Historic is the word I'll use for a hint. Historic. Historic. That's all you get.
0: Okay. Historic. First person to guess it, get some uh, DP show gear. And uh, by the way, we have, you know what just came in, Seton? Beer here t-shirts. Oh, sweet. Yes. Awesome. Yes, we have that. Uh, We'll unveil those coming up uh, next live look in here. We got a a box of uh, beer here t-shirts here. Love it. For a good cause. Uh, You can go to uh, danpatrick.com for the uh, DP show store. Uh, We've got an update on the poll question there, McLovin.
1: Yeah, do you like old school or new school uniforms? As you'd expect, 64% say old school. A little closer than I thought.
0: Yeah, but it you know, our our target audience though is going to be different than the audience that the people trying to sell these uniforms to would be. What
1: about when you were 18 and looking at colleges and stuff like that? Did you care?
0: No. I, I I grew up when I was really young with the Browns uniforms. we were pretty simple. And then I went to Cincinnati, moved outside of Cincinnati. I had the Bengals uniforms. Those were horrible-looking uniforms. Horrible. Ho- boring. Absolutely. The the Chargers came to town. I snuck into the game at Nippert Stadium and I saw the Chargers take the field and it changed my life. I went, "Oh my god. Look at those uniforms." It it was as if I had watched sports in black and white, and all of a sudden I had color TV. And I had John Hadle, who had number 21 as the quarterback. I go, who's got 21 as a quarterback number? They had Dickie Post, Gary Garrison, Lance Allworth. Oh, my God, those uniforms were spectacular. Yeah, Paul. Dan, I'm looking back, though, at a
1: picture of the Bengals from the 70s. They have an orange helmet, Mm -hmm. white jerseys, dark brown numbers, three stripes, and a simple Bengals on there. Mm For some reason, now it looks old school and
0: cool in compared to their tiger stripes. It was just boring. That's all. Like the Cowboys look great. You you can have a clean looking uniform, but it can be boring as well. You know, the Packers were great. The Steelers were great. The Niners look great. It is amazing, though. If you win, your uniform somehow looks a whole lot better. Dan Orlovsky, star is on the rise at the mothership, ESPN football analyst, former NFL quarterback. And uh, you can uh, check him out on Get Up with Mike Greenberg, Sports Center, NFL Live, and other programs. Best uniform you played in was what, Dan?
2: Who played in. Um, definitely the Creamsicle Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got to wear them once. And these were like the old-school material, too. So the, the, the comfort of them was <laughs> atrocious. But the feel of – or, like, the look of them was awesome. Now, this is when we stunk, so we probably got dragged by whoever we played. But the best one I played in is the Tampa Bay Buccaneer creamsicle or the Lions Thanksgiving Day throwbacks when it's just all blue jersey, all um, gray numbers, uh, gray pants and all blue helmet. Those were the cleanest that I've, I've worn myself.
0: All right, Dan, that's all we wanted from you. Thank you. We appreciate your time. (laughs) My best segment of the year. Yeah, I was just talking about this, that the second most important position on the field is an edge rusher, in my opinion. So you have the quarterback and you have the edge rusher. I don't know if you agree or not, but I'll let you give me your opinion on that in a moment. Why is it nobody wants to trade up to get Chase Young? If he is is a generational, you know, once-in-a-decade kind of pass rusher and the best player in the draft, I haven't heard one trade scenario to go up and get him. Why?
2: Yeah, I'd say number one, there are some people, and I've had conversations with guys about this, that do believe he went ghost the last three games of the year. That he was minimized and shut down, and um, especially in the Clemson game, people point to that. I disagree with that point. I actually thought the teams that played them down the stretch were conscious of him and getting the ball out of their hands weighed quicker than normal. Uh, I think there's the reality that I don't think there's any chance Washington trades the pick. I just don't. I mean, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio there. um, Washington's defensive line is going to be a a major problem because just as a quarterback makes everybody better, a a dominant defensive lineman makes all those other defensive linemen better. And so now Montez Sweat is going to be better and Payne's going to be better and Jonathan Allen's going to be better because of the addition of Chase Young. So, I don't think Washington would be willing to move from that pick. I would disagree with you on the edge rusher being more, more important than the interior rusher. Uh, Two reasons. One, the, the usage of the field, the spread of the field. Coaches are much more aware that the football field is actually 53 and a third yards wide and much more willing to use all of that space. And so now I always try to express it like this. Like think of an offensive line and traditionally over the last 30 years of the NFL, you know, the offensive line is tackle to tackle for the most part, and that's probably a six- or seven-yard wide space. And once the ball has traditionally been snapped because we weren't using space as much the field wide with the offensive line is like an accordion that gets shrunk. And so those pass rushers get closer and closer to the quarterback that are taking these five- and seven-set drops and sitting in the pocket. Well, now coaches expand the offensive line more at the ball being snapped, whether it's the, the use of lateral play action, which is much more – Part of the NFL now than than it used to be. The quick passing game and the screen game, the the lateral run game is much more um, used than the downhill run game. And then the second thing it would be is how quickly the ball gets out of quarterback's hands. I mean, we see the ball get out of quarterback's hands with the RPO game way faster than it used to be. You know, when was the last time you saw a quarterback go under center and take a seven-step drop? Just traditional drop back, not a play-action game. It just it's not part of the game as much anymore. And so the interior pass rusher as close to the quarterback, as possible person is more valuable for me and and my experience than the, than the edge rusher.
0: Yeah, I get that because that's why Aaron Donald is so valuable. He's disruptive in the middle. Plus to get to the quarterback, he can get there quicker than the edge rusher can. And if you're taking less than, you know, two and a half seconds, get rid of the football, you know, let's the, the, uh, you know, Closest distance between you know, you know two dots here go sure. straight right at him. So I, I I understand that. If you look at these drafts, and and I've said this, it seems like every year I say the same thing. We build up a quarterback and then we tear him down uh, <laughs> as as we get closer to the draft. So it's a roller coaster ride for these guys. Hey, this guy's unbelievable in March. Then all of a sudden in April, uh, you know, the guy's not a top ten pick. Um, so uh, we didn't do it with Burrow. We did it. We're still doing it with Tua, Herbert. We—he's sort of on the rise now. Jordan Love got some uh, attention there, but how do you sort of sort this all out and understand what teams are thinking about these players?
2: Yeah, I don't really believe in ranking the quarterbacks like one through three, four, five, six. I look at them like, okay, what guys are in the best uh, position, trait-wise or skill set-wise to be bona fide stars, like to be guys that you can just count on for the next 15 years to be rock stars, no matter really who their coaches or who they're who's around them skills. So wise, these guys are going to be great players. And it's burrow and, and um, Tua. Those are the two players quarterback wise in this draft. Like Joe burrow, if you looked at the greats in the NFL over the last 20 years at that position and you, and you just kind of took away the first thing that pops in your head. When you think about that player, Joe burrow has it like, okay, Tom Brady, A poise, or clutchness, when Joe Burrow's got that. Drew Brees, you know, accuracy, when Joe Burrow has that. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, pocket movement, Joe Burrow's ridiculous at it. If you look at Russell Wilson, his instincts, Joe Burrow has all that stuff. These are things that, like, so many people overlook because they're really difficult to measure unless you've, you know, really trained your eyes to see it. Joe Burrow's got all of that, like, all of it. Um, Tua uh, is very similar in that regard. Like, Tua's accuracy is is the, the greatest attribute that he has. It's also the most important attribute physically a quarterback can have. And so um, his ability to get through progressions, uh, it, I call it the most programmed quarterback in the draft, not robotic, but programmed. So those two guys are rock stars. They're going to be studs. If, if healthy for Tua, obviously. Um, Herbert to me it is like, my analogy has been like, you know, when you go house shopping and you see this house, it's, it's a beautiful home and it's got all the upgrades and, it should sell really well, but it just sits on the market because every time you see the house, you go, man, something's wrong with that. It just doesn't feel right. And, and I kind of sent this tweet out the other day. Think of all the quarterbacks that we've talked about in the draft in the last 15, 20 years, that when the first two or three things out of people's mouth are, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, <laughs> he's got a powerful arm. Like Think of all those guys, and more often, more often than not, those cats have failed And I didn't say anything about that when it came to Brady, Russell Wilson, Breeze, Big Ben. I didn't say anything about that because that stuff doesn't matter. We look at quarterbacks the same way we look at all the other positions, big, strong, athletic, powerful. It should be the other way, the mental. And so that's what concerns me about Justin Herbert is like, no one's going, man, he's got great instincts. Or gosh, his accuracy is ridiculous. Or he's just got this ability to make all these different kinds of throws. Those are all the things that people talk about or like that I talk about that he struggles with and i just go man i i would have a lot of concern about that because it's the most important physical attributes of the quarterback position and then for jordan love you know jordan love is 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 the uh, the most intriguing probably guy because he he does more stuff that you can't coach more wow stuff you go man i just can't coach that throw i can't coach that throw i kind of related to this patrick mahomes who's he, who who he, who has he, he has been compared to i don't see that but Uh, Patrick Mahomes has this recess style of football where like he's the best kid on the playground and it's under control and he's just toying with people. And Jordan Love has a reckless style of football where it looks somewhat similar, but goodness, it's reckless. And so, listen, if you can coach him up to be more recessed than reckless, then, yeah, you you might have something to work with, but um, I'm not taking him until later in the first round.
0: I'm going to go with your analogy here with Justin Herbert. There's a house and there's a home. He might be mm-hmm. a house as a quarterback where Joe Burrow or Tua could be a home. and there there's a big difference in that. It looks great, but it is is it going to be a home if the 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 team if you pass on Tua to take Justin Herbert, finish that sentence.
2: You're scared to be great. you you're you're okay with trying to be mediocre.
0: but is it because the fear of you're... taking him or the fear of not taking him? Which one do you think is stronger in this draft with Tua?
2: I, the fear of taking him, and I said that I said that in January. It's going to take courage to take Tua. Let's be honest. It's going to take courage to pass on Tua, because this is the same guy that and Kirk Kirk great, right? Kirk Kirk is 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 outstanding at what he does, and I think he's got a great feel and understanding of that spot, that position. College football. It's the same person. The same player that came into the national championship game and Kirk um, Street on the broadcast said, Alabama's going to be okay. This kid is ridiculous. It's the same coach and Nick Saban, who we all say is the, one of the greatest coaches of all time, who decided to go to that player in that moment. And so um, if, if, if a team decides to draft Justin Herbert, it's just they are so scared that Tua is going to become hurt that they're they're willing to become to to chase mediocrity than greatness they'd rather play it safe and it's funny i was just watching first take and michael jordan was talking about the the last dance thing and he was talking about in his first year he had an injury and the doctors told him there's a there's a 90% chance you won't get hurt and there's a 10% chance that you'll get hurt and you'll end your career and jordan looked at him like but, I'm, like, I'm trying to be great. There's a 90% chance. There's a 90% chance that if you draft Tua to tunga Viola, you're going to become great as an organization. He's that stinking good. But if you want to bet on the 10% because you're scared, then that, that's on you.
0: And later that year in the playoffs, Jordan put 63 on the Celtics in the garden.
2: Yeah. I just – I just, like, li- listen, and I brought this up. Okay, so look at the past, like, 10 years in the NFL. Like, okay, Saints, like, you don't get great in the NFL without taking risks. The Saints – Went onside kick in the Super Bowl 10, 11 years ago. In the Super Bowl at halftime. The Eagles a couple years ago as the number one seed, decided to go into the, the playoffs with a backup quarterback and and um, ran a trick play on fourth and goal. The, the Chiefs traded up to get a quarterback from Texas Tech when they didn't need to. They had a veteran and were a playoff football team. The Ravens took a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that couldn't fit into the NFL like – You've, if you want to become a great championship-caliber organization and you want to become great, you've got to take risks. Like, you've got to take risks. And I just look at Tua and go, the quarterbacks are getting way more protected in the NFL than they are in college football, way more protected. And I think he has the brain to mature enough to realize, I don't have to prove my toughness every single play. Get the ball out and there's other plays to play if I would take them.
0: Good stuff. Hey, it's great to talk to you. I'm happy for your success. You've done well and you put in the work. And, uh, you know, maybe in a couple of months you come here to the man cave and we'll uh, teach you how to throw football.
2: <laughs> well, listen, man, it's an absolute honor. I obviously grew up on you, so it's a privilege. I'm glad to be with you finally. I would love to come to the man cave. I can use all the
0: help I can get. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. We appreciate your time. Tell Greeny we said hello. I will, bud. Be well. That's Dan Orlovsky. He went to UConn, drafted by the Lions. And, you know, there's that, it's not a highlight, but it is a a highlight that's a low light for Dan, where he went out of the end zone and, uh, you know, they, it was a self-imposed safety. So he doesn't know that he's backing up to throw a pass from his end zone. He goes out of the end zone. And doesn't he have like a his charity or something? Or didn't he say something like he's all in favor of a moving the uh, end zone to 11 yards, Paulie? Dan Orlovsky's Twitter profile that he
1: wrote that's up on his Twitter. Retired 12-year NFL vet, married to a cool chick, dad to triplet boys, end zone should be 11 yards.
0: (laughs) That's a good line. (laughs) All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got a stat of the day. We'll update the poll results. Top of the hour, Bubba Watson will join us and uh, Boomer Esiason. From uh, CBS. So all of that coming up in the next uh, hour or so. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR. Or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. It feels like you're firmly planted in what your opinion is of who you think is the greatest of all time. And what happens is when we're growing up, we're so attached to those memories, far more than we are when we get older. When you're 12 to 22, like that, you just, your team is so important. The music you listen to is so important. They're be- my Cincinnati Reds, the Big Red Machine, is the best National League lineup ever, in my, my opinion. Zeppelin is the best rock and roll band of all time. Like, you have these opinions, it's hard to change my mind when it comes to that. You can say, "Hey, I got a National League team that would rival the Reds." All right. I don't believe you. "Hey, I got a rock and roll band better than uh Led Zeppelin." Okay. Michael Jordan wasn't local for me. Michael Jordan was global when you think about it. And you know, people watch Jordan. They were there. They understand the moment. And I don't know if anybody's going to say, hey, I'm so passionate about LeBron James. He's the greatest player of all time. Michael Jordan is Neil Armstrong. He's the first guy to walk on the moon. Now, there's 12 people, I think, total have walked on the moon. But when you go to a party and Neil Armstrong would be there, that dude walked on the moon, the first guy. That's Michael Jordan. He was the first real global star. And he's almost become mythological when you think about it now. Michael Jordan has become Babe Ruth-like. LeBron can't compare, can't compete with that. LeBron's one of the guys who's walked on the moon, but he might be the 12th guy, the ninth guy, the 8th guy. Imagine if you're there and you're having a conversation, Neil Armstrong's there, and you're one of the other guys, Buzz Aldrin. And you, you were second, but that, okay, that's not, he was the first guy to walk on the moon. You can't win that argument. Mike is the first to do it, and, and he really gave the blueprint to all these other athletes. And Muhammad Ali wasn't with a team. He was global, but he was an individual. But Mike w- became global because of, you know, Air Jordan. Ali was global because he would fight around the world. And, and and it was different. Mike was with the team, but also singular as a global spokesperson and a billionaire. It's just different. Uh, I, I think when LeBron is all said and done, we'll have an argument, at least a good discussion here. Because people ask me all the time, hey, you were there when Jordan won all those titles. Michael Jordan, if I'm going to win a game, is the guy I want out there. We, we do this argument with a quarterback. Who's the quarterback you want to win a game? Who's the guy you want at the plate with the game on the line? Who's the pitcher you want on the – well, Michael Jordan is that. And I can't argue with anybody else in that situation. Game on the line, one game to win, Michael Jordan is the guy that I want leading my team. Do I think LeBron is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan? I do. I do. If you look at what he's done, the totality of his career, the style, what he does at his size, there's no one like him. There's there's no one like him in the history of the game. Magic was his size, but was not anywhere near the athlete that LeBron is. LeBron can score, he can rebound, he can pass. Uh, he's not the defender Mike was, but if I wanted to win a game, I'm taking Michael Jordan. I just am. I saw it, saw it with my own eyes, and. Until somebody proved different, he was the guy. As much as I loved Bird and loved Magic. And I kept thinking, you know, this Jordan guy thinks he's as good as these guys. And then when Mike put up 63 on the Celtics in the Garden, that's when Larry Bird said he realized there's a new sheriff in town. There's an, Like, I realized I wasn't the best player in basketball. And that's from a guy who won three MVPs. He knew he was not. That's what Mike did. He came in. And it was this tsunami. And all of a sudden, you kind of came up for air and you go, is it coming back again? And it was. I would take him, you know, is he the greatest player of all time? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Bill Russell won more, but that wasn't just Bill singularly. Michael, you know, would go out and dominate games. He would dominate opponents. He would make you cry. But if if we're even doing the all-time draft there if if I'm starting my team with anybody I'm like I'd have a little bit of a debate between Kareem but the game has changed now what would Michael Jordan be like in today's game would he be a three-point shooting guy would he be as effective would Steph Curry be more valuable because he's a, a great three-point shooter I got what would Bird be like today would Bird be better You know, because he could shoot the three. He could rebound. He could pass. He could do all those things. He wasn't the defender Jordan was. Like, what would magic be? Would he be shooting more three? Like, those are the questions you have that you can't answer, but they're fun. Bubba Watson will join us and Boomer Sison, final hour.